Okay. Okay. But once again, though, let's get back on subject here. Mike Valeni is your father figure. No, he is not. You love Valenti. Like, remember you were swaggerjacking some of his his bits. That's who you get your swag off of. You're not a father figure. Let us be your sports father figure on our podcast with swag on SoundCloud and iTunes at WHUTs after further review. Back at it here on 88.3 WHUTs after further review on the phone line. David, the man of God, Harris, we had, I mentioned in the earlier segment, we had actually done a segment a couple of weeks ago, but it got lost because I recorded it in safe mode. Now, I made sure it's not, my computer is not in safe mode this time. It's in regular mode. So we'll post up new segments for you on our SoundCloud page and on iTunes, which is WHUT's After Further Review with a picture of Frank Bastion and the horse's head. We just got done talking about the NFL draft. Now we'll talk a little bit about the NBA as their season is starting to wrap up. And David, your thoughts on the Knicks and the Lakers, the Knicks are actually going to have a winning season and actually going to go to the playoffs. First time they've gone to the playoffs since 2013 when we had the debate whether or not Carmelo Anthony should have been the MVP of the league. David, your thoughts? Yeah, and kind of, I kind of got the promo all wrong with a teaser. So kind of, as I was thinking about the Knicks and the Lakers, obviously the two biggest media markets, the two biggest cash cows for the NBA, I thought to myself, which of these two has been the bigger surprise between the Knicks and the Lakers. And I, and I say the, that the Lakers have been the bigger surprise because looking at the Knicks, like, and you know Derek being a Chicago Bulls fan, Tom Thibodeau, if he can get his system in place and he can get kind of his culture, those teams are going to do well. Did I think that it would be a quick turnaround? Obviously not. But... I think that the Knicks were slowly, slowly kind of building up to this point. And the integral piece of that has been Julius Randle. Now, obviously, Julius Randle kind of got pushed out from L.A. um, when LeBron James came in, went to New Orleans, kind of balled out. Now he has this contract, and now he seems to be this kind of veteran leader presence for the Knicks. And so people are now really seeing that Julius Randle, before he was kind of the odd man now for the Lakers, and really before his injury, like he was, like he was a solid NBA player. Like all, obviously, all star in the West is going to be, you know, impossible. But like he was producing numbers, and he was, you could see the maturation, you could see the growth in Julius Randle's game, and you really saw that flourish and develop and blossom in New Orleans. And so now him coming to New York really being kind of a focal point of the offense, we're really starting to see Julius Randle just kind of explode. And so this was kind of Julius Randle being the veteran, get a lot of young guys that are hungry around him. And the New York Knicks is essentially doing similar to what we saw last year with the Miami Heat, with Jimmy Butler being that veteran president and a lot of young players rallying around kind of a veteran coach kind of with, that teaches and preaches culture. And we're starting to see, now obviously the Heat's kind of 
took a little bit longer just because they had some established kind of culture with the coach and Bam Adebayo was seen as this kind of up-and-coming defensive force, whereas the Knicks, I don't know. But I say the Lakers have been the biggest surprise because, one, there's the reigning defending champs, and they're on the verge of being in a playing tournament that, you know, LeBron James says it should happen, but now that he's in this predicament, he says, you know, whoever thought of it should be fired. But then also, this is a team that they constructed. If, you know, this is a team that LeBron James kind of orchestrated. And yes, you can count for in- injuries, but it just seems like the Lakers are still relying on what got them there last year, which was everyone being well-rested after the bubble, everyone being healthy. And so you can hit a team with your top five, six, seven, well, not five, but your top seven, top eight. And that just beats everyone. Where now you go through the wear and tear of the season, now you have to rely on nine to 12. And now we're starting to see, like, you need a full, fully deep team, and you can't just rely on kind of your top seven, top eight, top nine, you know, especially if you're dealing with injury. Well, here's the thing about it is I think that it's not – I'm not surprised that the Knicks have been turned around. I'll be honest with you, I'm not. Because I mean, is a great coach. But the problem that I'm seeing is he wears on his players and he does – hopefully he's learned his lessons in Chicago and Minnesota that with young players, you can be a little hard on them. Their bodies kind of recover a little bit. But after a while, that wear and tear gets to them and it – if you look at it, he has some great Chicago teams, coaching MVP, one of the youngest MVPs in Derrick Rose. And then you had uh, Joe Kim Noah, Luel Dang, Kurt Heinrich, I believe, was on some of those teams. Um, just great Boozer, Taj Gibson, I think even Ben Gordon, I believe. And But at the end, they wore down. I mean, after a couple seasons, then this, the nagging injury started to happen. Unfortunately, Derrick Rose, you know, his knees gave out on him. But then even, you know, Joe Kim Noah. So he, he, he instills a hard work, hard nose, high-intensity team. And that's some of the intangibles you need for winning basketball. But in the NBA, obviously this season only 72 games, normally an 82-game season, you can only do that grind so much, especially if you're going into the playoffs. And sometimes you need to kind of reel it back. So early on, it's looking good. But how much can he sustain that? And that's where I think the problem goes with him. He has only one basically go-to move, and that's to go hard all the time. And sometimes as the as the young players become veterans – that starts to fall on deaf ears. So that's what I'm going to be looking at with the Knicks is if he learned his lessons in Chicago and New York to learn that as this team grows, you got to grow with it. And at times with growth comes change. There's going to be some things you're going to have to adapt to, which I think he had a hard time doing with Chicago and Minnesota, because sometimes I think coaches become a victim of their own success. I do something, it works and I'm going to keep at it. Okay. That makes sense. But sometimes when there's a change in dynamics, especially in pro sports, whether it be you lose a key guy to free agency or even injury, you got to adapt every year. You can't just be doing the same thing all the time. And I think um, 
It happens to all coaches. I think it happened to Phil Jackson in New York. I think the reason why New York is in the situation that they were in was because Phil Jackson has so much success in Chicago and L.A. He comes to New York and he says, this is what we did in Chicago and L.A. And you got a taste of a little bit of success. But then, like, for instance, he was trying to force them to run the triangle offense with Carmelo Anthony. Well, Carmelo Anthony and that cast of crew that he had, they weren't triangle type of players. They weren't. They were ISO players. They were guys that needed to run these regular sets. And really what happened was Phil Jackson got into that victim of his own success. This is the stuff that I've been doing for years has been working, but it wasn't working with New York. And instead of getting out of his own way and changing, he tried to fight them. And then I think that's where the fruitility of the Knicks has been is that instead of trying to adapt and change and be forward looking as normally as Phil Jackson has been is that's why he's had a great career as a coach because he's been forward looking and he looks for change. He tried to be stubborn and be like, try to, you know, have his ego proven that, oh, well, I know what I'm doing. Well, that ended up where you made some bad draft picks um, and, you know, it just kind of set the franchise back. And now the franchise is reeling. They brought in a guy. But if they want to have the continued success, Thibodeau still can be with the way he's coaching. But he's got to realize that in Chicago and in Minnesota, the act runs thin and the best ability ability is availability and you need these guys on the court and you can't be just running these guys all over the place and running them ragged as they get older in the league. Yeah, and I think yeah, I'm sure that he has just because I know now he's been around the grind. My only thing is kind of looking at the way that that short term immediate success happened in both Chicago and Minnesota. Is he going to hear some of those voices in the back of his head, like, hey, look at this, boom. Get to New York, working our way, kind of grind, grindhouse, grindhouse. Now New York has its first winning season in forever. It's like, is he going to feed into that temptation to want to kind of be stuck in his ways, or is that maturity going to kick in to where, you know what, I want to have a lasting success Instead of kind of this one shining moment for the Knicks, I want to make this, I want to make the Knicks relevant in NBA basketball again for the first time in God knows how many years. So I think that's going to be the biggest temptation. I think Thibodeau, like we knew the success would come. Did we think that would happen kind of this quickly? Probably not. But we knew that it was inevitable just because he's always been successful wherever he's been. That's true. That was just well, Minnesota. Kind of I don't him. know. Minnesota was in. Yeah, Minnesota was in. Eh. I mean, he was successful as an assistant coach with the Celtics. Great as a head coach with the Bulls. I think he's doing a good job with the Knicks. But Minnesota, it just wasn't the the right fit. I I just think it was just not the right fit at all. Yeah, I mean, yeah, looking back, kind of some of the culture clashes, particularly kind of, I think it probably stemmed surrounding kind of his relationship with Jimmy Baller that he carried from that they both carry with each other from Chicago to Minnesota. And so kind of around kind of Carl Anthony Towns and him being this young superstar, kind of use him and the whole Andrew Wiggins. Like, is he actually going to play up to his potential of being, a, you know, number two, you know, you know, the draft pick and draft stats and things like that. So, yeah, and then, like, the first movie they were, I, I would have to look at the, 
statistics and the metrics just to see where they were analytics in terms of their defensive metrics. But, yeah, I would say kind of out of his head coaching positions, I would say Minnesota's probably been the toughest, or was the toughest for him. Right. Kind of looking back. But. As far as the Lakers are concerned, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I just, I just think kind of they don't have depth. This year, kind of playing 72 games, not having – that bubble where they can all heal up and rest up from the injuries. So they well, the four months. Remember, they did get the four months from the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, that's, that's like looking back in retrospect, I think that was probably the biggest aid to like the Lakers winning, even more so than the bubble and being in that kind of closed environment. I think resting for four months, especially, you know, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Ray John, like looking at some of the veterans that needed just four months of not doing anything, just to be hyper, you know, training, working out. Now playing the 72-game schedule, now you're looking at this team like, last year you can hit teams with seven, eight, nine, and they couldn't keep up. We saw it, particularly in the conference finals against the Nuggets and then the finals against the Heat. Mm-hmm. But now it seems like, because Anthony Davis has been injured, because LeBron James is now at the tail end of this season, kind of with the ankle injuries, like the depth that they kind of could mask over last year because they had a time of rest is really starting to show and really hurt them because they don't like now everyone's looking at it like the Lakers are backing into this play in playoffs, but they they don't have the depth, and this team was built. Like looking at it, this team was constructed to not really care about the depth. Like, yes, you got guys that fill in the roster, but like our starting five and then, you know, a couple guys off the bench and we're good. And so now it's like, well, are you really, are you really that good? Cause without LeBron James, without Anthony Davis, I mean. Well, I mean, David, you need talent. <laughs> I mean that that's a those are two major losses there, town uh, David, as far as talent goes. If they don't have those guys then obviously I mean any team, if you don't have Anthony Davis and LeBron James, you're not gonna be very competitive. Yeah, but I I think that the way that the team was constructed, like they were like it was basically built to where like what we're seeing right now, if one or both of them are not on the floor this team is just, you know, okay. And, I mean, that's, that's good for the NBA team, but, like, if you're the reigning champions, I think this team had no plan B. And so that's where I have to be kind of What do you need a plan B for with, 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 with LeBron James? Now, they knew, they knew about Anthony Davis being hurt. I mean, he's not a number, he's not a number one guy. But they yeah. didn't expect LeBron James to get hurt like that. And remember – before all this stuff happened, they were before LeBron's injury. The Lakers were competing. They were number one. Yeah, they were number one in in the West. So I mean, come on, you know, you lose two of your best players. Yeah, you're going to be losing games. But I mean, like that's understandable, especially kind of as you're getting hot, kind of as other teams are getting hot, and they're kind of jockeying for playoff position and spots and the win loss record. It just seems like the more and more I look at it, it's like, and like, like you said, like they put all their eggs in the LeBron James basket. Like my, but my thinking is, there's like a two percent chance 
that he does like the load management thing that we saw from the Kawhi Leonard last year and other players, or if he, you know, needs a rest or if he's doing a back-to-back and he needs that recommended rest, like who else on this team in, like in case of emergency? And I feel like the Lakers never had an in case of emergency because they, like you said, they were expecting LeBron James to be LeBron James and not, have any injuries at all. And it's like, Van's almost 40. Like, like he, yes, he's a freakish athlete, but, I mean, like, he's, he's getting up there. And it's like, the wear and tear of him playing so many games for so many seasons because he's always winning to the finals. Like, I guess I'm always thinking about that in the back of my head. Just, like, when in doubt, always have a plan B. Always have a plan B. What's like, what's my fail-safe option? And it seems like the Lakers are just like, eh, yeah, we're fine. Like, an 80% LeBron James, a 70% LeBron James is going to help us kind of, and, you know, it's better to have him at 70% than not have him at all kind of thing. And I think the Lakers seem to be banking on that in preparation for the pos- the real possibility now that they could be in this play-in tournament. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. It's not like. Are you hating on LeBron? Just curious. I mean, no. I mean, I like. I understand. Like he's like everyone says. You know, he's the greatest player. And obviously, when you have great players, their absence shows. It's just if you're an organization that's kind of thinking about, kind of thinking back to kind of our conversation about the NFL. Like this is a business, and you always have to think about if. If injuries happen, what's my backup option? So you're always thinking about replacements. You're always thinking about rotations. Who can come in? Who can be that leader that can not replace, obviously, the productivity and the energy and the intimidation factor that LeBron James, but at least make it to where it's not like, oh, my gosh, like we lost a bit. To make it not seem like Golden State without Steph Curry, like, like, there's literally no one out here for us that can do anything. Mm-hmm. Like, and th- and that's sometimes when I'm watching the Lakers, it's like, like they, it's like they are like completely lost. Like, without LeBron James on the floor. And like, you guys are all veteran players. Like, you guys are all handpicked by LeBron James to be Los Angeles Lakers basketball players. So it's like, you guys obviously are you guys are the best of the best of the best. One, you know, point one percent of basketball players. Like, it just seems like something just has like doesn't click with LeBron James off the floor. And maybe it's just LeBron James is off the floor. That's the that's the whole switch. That's the whole foundation of this organization. But well. I mean, they could figure it out. I think though they got a big matchup coming up where they don't want to play in the playing game. I don't like the fact that he's kind of upset that he might have to play in the playing game, but that's how it goes. I think it's pretty good for the NBA. Now, do I think the seventh seed should be playing in the playoff game? Playing game? No. Um, I I really think it should be maybe a battle between nine and ten battling, and then the winner goes and play the eighth seed. And then whoever wins out of that then ends up being the actual eighth seed. But obviously they did seven through ten because you can do seven through eight. I believe the seventh seed 
I gotta look this back up again because it, it, the, the the NBA playing yeah. game is I, I think the seven seed plays the, the eighth, seed. eighth seed and the ninth seed plays the tenth seed or something like that. And I gotta I gotta look this up. Yeah. So so we we talked about it in the lost episodes. Yes, in the so. lost. Episode. That's why I, <laughs> that's why I'm going back to see how yeah. how this playing tournament works. All right. I'll, yeah. I'll, so here's how yeah, so it, it's, it's how this is how right. it works. The ninth place team plays the tenth place team. They end up playing. Then the seventh place team and the eighth place team play each other. The loser of the seven and eight plays the winner of the nine and ten. So if you're in t- ninth, tenth place, if you lose, you're out. All right. But you, yep. the winner of that moves on. The loser of the seventh and eighth seed plays the winner of the ninth and tenth. The person the team that wins out of the seventh and eighth gets the eighth gets the seventh seed and moves on to the seventh into the playoffs. So basically if you win between the seventh and eighth place game, you clinch a playoff spot. The winner does. The loser then plays the winner of the ninth tenth place game. So if you're in the ninth and tenth place game and you lose, your season's over. Bye bye. You're out. Then from there, the winner of the Nine. The winner of the nine ten plays the loser of the seven eight. Whoever wins that game is the eighth seed. So that's how it works. Which I, yeah. I it makes me. I really think it prevents teams from tanking. I think it, it kind of, uh, you know, it's it like just like in baseball, they're expanding the playoffs. They're doing this so that you can stay in touch with team. People can still still watch baseball. Because let's face it, in years past, it's happened in baseball, it's happened in basketball, where some years the playoff spots are already sold up with three weeks to go in the season. And then you just lose interest and you just wait till the playoff starts. So with this little play-in tournament, it keeps things a little bit interesting. Now, Not to mention also teams like you know Luka Doncic and, and, and LeBron James, they don't want to play in the playing game. So you already know that usually at least the top seven teams are going to try to fight to be the top six teams so they don't have to play any extra games. Yeah, and I think kind of particularly knowing how the Western Conference always seems like, like at the end of the season when we look at the end of the regular season standings, it's always like the difference between being the sixth seed and being like the 11th seed is always like a game, game and a half. So it's always every game, correct? particularly thinking in the West more than the East, like always matters just because it's so much of a nail-biter. So I, I think kind of as we get closer to this tournament, um, obviously LeBron James is going to kind of work his butt off in the gym so that they can avoid being in that play-in tournament. Not saying that they're like a quote-unquote afraid to be in that play-in tournament, but just kind of more games, more wire, yeah. Uh, more potential to pick up other injuries that could affect them for a deeper playoff run. So even if they were to get the number kind of seven seed, like think, seeing the Lakers in a two-seven matchup, like and them not being the number two seed, like that's gonna that, that that's gonna be extra motivation for I think the Lakers, but. It's going to be good for ratings having the Lakers in this play tournament, even if Lakers don't want to be in there, because everyone's going to be like, "Oh, one game playoff. Are the Lakers going to have their A game today? Will the Lakers, will the defending champions go out to 
I don't know. I think the Mavericks, Mavericks or Spurs are always kind of in that 7 to 10 range. It's like, yeah. So it's definitely going to be captivating. It's going to be good for the ratings. It's going to be good for business. And if we're going to have those storylines, it's going to get closer. Well, Who's going to be in that final four? So we're looking at this right now. In the East, the 7 through 10 seeds are Miami Heat, the Hornets, the Pacers and the Wizards, which have been playing pretty good basketball. My Bulls are in the 11th seed. At one point, the Bulls were up there about the 8th or 9th seed, but they have, they've been just losing games. Even at, Right now, they're kind of giving the business to Boston, uh, which is right now they're locked in the 6th seed, which is, which is pretty interesting. But they're tied with Miami as we speak during this recording um, for the 6th and 7th seed in the West. Now, uh, already Orlando, Cleveland, and Detroit are already eliminated from the playoffs. So this is, like I said, it makes it interesting because in years past, if you were just doing one through eight, the Pacers, Wizards, Bulls, Raptors, these games wouldn't mean anything because pretty much now we're getting down to the only, I think, one week left in the regular season as almost all the teams have played 66 games. So there's only six games left. primarily and that'll be done in a week so next week is the last week of the of the regular season um the clint teams that have clinched are the 76ers nets and the bucks so the knicks have not clinched yet they are technically they're two games up or actually a game up on the atlanta hawks who could sneak into that fourth seed i remember the top four seeds get home court advantage in the first round so that would also be kind of a feather in the cap for the knicks to get home court advantage in the first round in the west the seven through ten is portland g state golden state the warriors memphis and san antonio that'll be very interesting if golden state and the memphis grizzlies play um uh, excuse me, if, if Portland and Golden State play each other, that would be real interesting, a 7-8 matchup. <laughs> um, already eliminated Oklahoma City Thunder out, Minnesota Timberwolves out, Houston Rockets, man, they lose James Harden out. And it looks like the, the Pelicans and the Kings are 11 and 12 seeds. They're kind of barely looking in. Um, they're one game behind San Antonio to try. Actually, they're a game and a half behind San Antonio, trying to play into that 10th seed. Um, Sacramento is three, or actually Sacramento's two and a half games back of them as we do this recording. Teams that have already clinched, Utah, Phoenix, the Clippers, who actually swept the Lakers this year, and Denver Nuggets have already clinched. The top four seeds have already clinched. So, Right now, this gets real interesting. Dallas, L.A., and Portland are battling so they don't get into the play-in. That, those are the three teams to watch right now, and I believe the Lakers and the Blazers play this weekend. David? Oh, sorry. For a lot of things that, um, that are hoping for playoffs, particularly with those younger kind of rookie sensations, thinking about Charlotte and Lonzo Ball, or Lamelo Ball, um, thinking about just the, even though he's not a rookie, but kind of the maturation development, quick development of John Morant in Memphis. Like some of the other storylines, you have the two kind of finals participants from last year fighting for the playoffs, for finding get out of the play-in tournament. 
Um, yeah, some interesting storylines. And think yeah. about it. It's the last week of the season, and we're talking about that because normally these are teams. You know, usually the last week of the season is just like teams are resting, especially at the bottom. Especially teams are already, you know, as Kenny Smith used to say, TNT. You know, if you knew if you were now, obviously teams like Cleveland, Orlando, Detroit, they're already planning their vacations. They already know next week we're done, we're out. You already planning your vacay. But these other teams, it's like, yeah, we're not out just yet. But in years past, if you were really below the eighth seed, it was you just going through the motions. And if you're a really horrific team, you basically just said to yourself, you know what, we're done with this. Let's get on out of here. You just mentally checked out. I think we talked about that with Lamont Murray a few years ago. Yeah, just kind of if you're not in that playoff race, kind of the intensity goes down. Obviously, you're trying to play so you don't get hurt. Uh, but yeah, it's the same. Like the passion and the passion and love for the game isn't there if you're like mathematically eliminated. And so you see a lot of players are just there to collect the checks. Um, you know, two or three weeks left in the season, and like meh, I don't get the same intensity in practice and walk through and shoot around. Yeah. So David, we, we recap the uh, the in the NBA. How's your weekend going to be? And luckily, these won't be the lost files. So we kind of caught up a little bit, talked about the draft, talked about the playing game, which was in the the lost files. But what do you got planned this weekend, David? Uh, I guess baseball's on the tube, so watch a little bit of baseball, AAA baseball here mm-hmm. in Syracuse. And then prep for a nice, solid end of the NBA season. And, and, then, it's, and it's Mother's Day. Now that you don't live close to your mom, what do you do for your mom on Mother's Day? Uh... Send her a card, shoot her, uh, give her a call on Mother's Day. So check in, make sure all is well, and then hopefully a couple weeks be able to travel, spend some quality time back home. Mm, nice. Can you believe it? Last year it was just basically Zoom this and Zoom that. Now we're kind of getting back to normal life. Yeah, slowly but surely, but they've got to fortunately wear those masks, which at this point, we're all used to it. Yeah, I'm totally used to it now as well. It's just, it's just a part of life now. Well, David, great talking to you, and I will post this on you on not YouTube, but on SoundCloud and iTunes on WSUT's after further reviews uh, podcast pages there on SoundCloud and iTunes because last time it was in the lost files. And this one, you got you got to listen. It's there. Yeah, right. Can't ha- mess us. Have a good weekend, David. Pleasure, man. All right. See you next week. Yep. That was David, the man of God, Harris, here on 88.3 WCTs. After further review, always a pleasure having him on the show. Make sure you always check us out. If you miss the show, usually live on 88.3 WSUT on Saturdays, 1130 to 1.30, or sometimes 1130 to 2. We always put up our segments on iTunes and on SoundCloud, as I mentioned earlier, on WSUT's After Further Review podcast page with the picture of Frank Bashner in the horse's head. Once again, if you're listening to the live show, more of the live show, to go or if you listen to really our podcast we'll have even more of that for you here on 88.3 WGTs after further review we'll be back after this